Welcome to the Home Inspired Podcast, where we discover the power and potential of home. Journey with a community of kingdom-minded moms as we look at the micro-nation of home and the world-changing possibilities within our own four walls. Okay, so today on the podcast, we have my friend Krista Swainsbury. (laughs) And um, so Krista and I met three and a half years ago, and she just had her second little boy. And um, we actually met at church, but then we kind of started hanging out and um, getting to know one another. And my friend Krista is... um, Definitely loves the Lord and also is one of the most intentional people I think I've ever met in most things that she does, in almost everything that she does. And um, it's just been a joy. We we needed friends, both of us, and it was really a blessing to have to have a relationship with um, with you. And um, our two oldest, they just get a big kick out of each other. So they make each other laugh. That's fun. So, um, so Krista, would you tell us a bit about your story and where you now find yourself in life and family? Yeah. So just about 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with um, a chronic disease called neutropenia, where it affects your white blood cells. So it means you have little to none You'll normally find it in uh, somebody undergoing chemo, mm-hmm. where the chemotherapy comes and strips all the good and bad blood cells, and then they're in a neutropenic state. Well, they found through a series of events um, that I was, I was about 15 years old, mm-hmm. and when we started to, to uncover it, that um, I'm chronically in that state, so I have mm. little to no white blood cells um, at all times, and so... Um, I began seeing specialist after specialist and doing a lot of testing. And, you know, in my my teenage years, I felt like a lab rat. Mm. And um, they were trying to figure out, you know, do we treat more of the immune system side? Do we treat the white blood cells? How, what can we really do? Because it's really pretty rare and unknown for somebody that's not undergoing chemo to, to be like that. And so um, in my early 20s, they ended up sending me to the NIH, the National Institutes of Health. Over, it's in the D.C. area. It's in Bethesda, Maryland. If you ever Google anything health-related, you're going to find WebMD and NIH. Mm-hmm. They're real prominent government-run medical facility. They are amazing. Wow. And they're there to bring people in from all over the world to find rare and unknown diseases, to find cures and causes or treatments that would work. They typically put people in a pool. Mm-hmm. A, a protocol is what it's called, where they would do different testing and treatment and see if they can figure something out. Well... I was always in my own Mm -hmm. protocol and um, would see the doctor that I have seen and still occasionally do is um, the chief of the laboratory of infectious disease. He's famous in the medical world for discovering a gene. He speaks internationally. This guy is the best of the best. And I would go and every six months he would look at me and they've been doing testing while I'm there and they're doing testing when I'm not there and they're doing gene sequencing and they're trying to figure everything out. And he would say, well, Krista, you're weird. We have no right. idea. You don't Thanks. fit in this box. You don't fit in that. Yeah. And my mom or Alex, my husband would look at me and go, yeah, you are. I mean, it's been confirmed, you know. Um, 
And so, it, you know, it, he's trying to figure out, was it genetic? Was it acquired? It doesn't really fit in any category. Um, it doesn't, it, there's just so many things about it that is just, it's weird. It doesn't really look like what they've ever seen before. Because I do on that level see some people with neutropenia, but it's a matter of why with me. Mm-hmm. And um, so his goal was, I don't want you to come here all the time. I want you to live a healthy and normal life. I want you to live. And I started seeing him when I was in my early 20s. And, um, you know, since then, he watched me get married Mm. and have babies and Mm. really live. And so I don't go back as often anymore. But when I do, he wants to see pictures of the kids and see the life that I I have been able to live and thrive. And... um, and so his objective has really been met, even though they don't have answers to a lot of their questions. Yeah. Um, and so now we're we're pregnant with baby number four. Yeah. And he's usually on call when I'm in labor, but I don't even know that we need that anymore because I've been able to miraculously have great labor and deliveries. And Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's all just really a testament to God because on paper, so much of the life I've lived and definitely having children shouldn't have gone has it shouldn't have gone as well as it has. Mm. Yeah. So really how, I mean, how it affects me daily mm-hmm. is um, big thing is low energy. You know, your white blood cells are your infection fighting blood cells and the infection fighting part of the white blood cell is so low. Let me give you a scale. So most people, this infection fighting part, it's called the absolute neutrophil, is um, the normal range would be four to 10,000 is really what it is, or they'll say four okay. to 10. And mine, when I go in without any medical intervention, is 0.1 or equated to 100. And sometimes it's even less than that, 80. I mean, there's like almost nothing there. So my current doctor here in town tries to keep me, um, he would love to keep me at 1,000, but that just doesn't happen. So he's okay with 500. And that, I mean, doesn't even happen on my own without medical intervention. So I have to go um, currently for the past couple, almost two years now, I'd go and get regular injections that they give to chemo patients to uh, stimulate the white blood cells in the bone marrow to produce because I've had eight or nine bone marrow biopsies and I've got blood cells. They're healthy. They're plentiful. They're in there. They're immature cells. Yeah. Like it's like sending like a child out to battle, but they're there. They're going to do something. They just don't make it into the blood system. So they, they give me a shot to stimulate it. And that's what wow. they give to chemo patients. Yeah. yeah. So you get so, a chemo shot. Yeah, basically. More or, <laughs> more or less. I mean, not of chemo, Correct. but a chemo a shot that a chemo Stimulated, patient yeah. would get. How often do you do that? Well, during the pregnancy right now, I'm doing it once every two weeks. But when I wasn't pregnant, um, I was doing three shots in a row every three weeks. Wow. But about six, seven, seven or eight years ago, I used to give them to myself and I would do one every three days. It's just kind of a matter of what uh, formula, if you will, my body needs, like how much and how often to keep me high, to keep my blood cells high. Mm -hmm. And um, we just kind of figure out what works. But I've got many years of not doing any Mm -hmm. and not needing it. Um, I kind of, I'm in the child rearing and child bearing years. And so this is tiring (laughs) and really tiring, stressful in my body, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's where we are right now. In addition to that, I have, I get canker sores in my mouth. That's really a a sign and symptom of neutropenia. Um, and I can tell it's a trigger for me when I'm getting run down, Mm. which is, you know, it's helpful to have a trigger. We all have 
triggers that come out in our body in different ways and when we're getting run down. And so that's when I do know I need to take it easy, mm-hmm. give myself more grace, mm-hmm. rest. Um, those have been learned to do. Mm-hmm. It's um, good. And so, and, you know, and affections are, are more challenging if I, you know, I can get sick more easily. It takes longer to heal and recover. If I have to have an operation of any sort, it's a pretty big deal because healing is a big deal. And so um, there's things that go along with that, but the daily is really um, very low energy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed about you is that you are, you do take care of your body, but, um, you've never, I've never, I don't think in my three and a half years of knowing you, seen you posture yourself as a victim. Mm. And so I'm wondering, like, how have you, how have you done that? Because I just, I just can't imagine having chronic illness and not feeling like a little bit of a victim sometimes, you know? Yeah, I've always chosen to take more of the, the victor mentality than the victim. I'll tell you, I've spent many years on the other side of it where I was really, I lived in denial. And mm. so I would run in my life at full speed mm. as if there was nothing, nothing was wrong. wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was normal like anybody else. I didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I thought I was in faith. I was working in the ministry mm. and was doing the formula of... Um, getting prayed over and prayed over by the elders and speaking the word and confessing these scriptures and and this is what I'm you know and I'm I'm in faith and this is yeah. I'm gonna be healed and yeah, yeah. you know and I still believe that I will see the manifestation of my healing. Yes. But it's not gonna come from a formula mm-hmm. and doing these certain things I see in the word. It's really coming through my my knowledge of God and his character and his Mm -hmm. nature and who he is. Mm -hmm. And so I really Mm -hmm. lived on the flip side of it where I ignored it for a long time. And my mom was really fearful because I would run at my life hard and I wouldn't stop and I wouldn't rest and I wouldn't take no for an answer and I wouldn't even listen to my body. Mm. And there were times that I would get very sick but completely ignore it. And Mm. so... It's been a quite a journey of me learning to rest and learning to have grace for myself. Um, but I, in the current state that I am, in a much healthier perspective and view of my circumstances, even the victim mentality doesn't come to me because I, I think perspective is everything. Mm-hmm. And I can at any moment tell you somebody that has a worse situation somebody that has a harder or that how it could be worse. And so I just look at the perspective of it, even on, you know, as a parent on the hard days with our kids, I will, you know, maybe everything is going wrong in that moment. Mm. And then I'll stop and say, but I get to have kids. Mm. There's so many women out there that would give anything for my hard day right now because I'd love to have kids. Yeah. Wow. And it just shifts it for me. Or I, I might even direct it to myself and go, you know what, there's going to be a day where I would take this hard, the mess of the house and the life over the mess of the emotion and the hurt feelings yeah. of friends or boys or you know, yeah. some of the teenage year stuff that's going to mm. come. And I'll wish this back. So I try to really enjoy it. And that perspective gives me gratitude. Yeah. And immediately I'm grateful for my situation. And so even when I'm having a hard day, I just bring perspective to myself. Um, and I think another thing is I've never taken it as mine. Mm. I don't own it. 
Mm. It's not me. It's not my identity. It's neutropenia. Neutropenia. Yeah. yeah. I can't even say, um, like, I, I won't say, I can't, I can't even get the words out to you. Like, my neutropenia or my yeah. disease, like, I can't, like, that doesn't come from my yeah. mouth. It's not mine. I don't own it. Um, it is, I can talk about it factually. I can talk about the circumstances, the doctor's report, but it's my doctor's report, my, you know, my healer that I really trust in and I really rely on. And so I try to be real careful, very intentional in just how I speak about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, that I think gets rid of some of the victim mentality too, because I don't look at it as my identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, My identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not a victim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It seems like there is you just listening to you. There's a healthy amount of disassociation from the, even the circumstances, which is amazing because it's your own body. So I think that's where people with chronic illness, sometimes it's like my own body feels like crap. Like, I don't know how I'm going to disassociate from how I feel right now. But it seems like somehow you've managed to do that. Is that through years yeah. of practice or is that like a decision that you made at some point? Well, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with because I was so hard headed <laughs> for many years in the beginning of like resisting any treatment, resisting any tests, resisting even that it's, I didn't ignore what the doctors were saying, but I resisted it mm-hmm. and would go after my life hard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, you know, driven and I'm going somewhere and I'm building my career and I'm getting go, 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 you know, type A, whatever you want to Whatever say. you want to say, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it developed that in me to where now I think, I think disassociation is a really good word. Um, now I I've, can filter it through the lens of the word. Mm-hmm. And in through the lens of the word, it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And then I can see myself through how the Lord sees me. And so, Mm. um, and then that's been a real journey in what God says about it. And God is my healer and understanding his nature. Um, but I think for me, I really, I don't know that it was as intentional as it was. I was just really stubborn. I mean, it wasn't until I met my husband that I listened to somebody when they said, stop and slow down and rest. Mm. So God's really used him to say, this is how you it's okay to use to rest. It's okay to have grace. You know? mm. We'll probably get into some of that, but um, yeah, it's it's been really good. And then hearing how God, what God wants me to do in that, you know. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me like just because of your hard headedness, you never came under the disease. You know, I mean, in in your in your own soul, it was like no, this thing, whatever this is, the sickness, you will obey me. You know what I mean? Like, and that's powerful. You won't get in my way. You're you're not going to get in my way. Like you are not going, I'm not under you, you know? And I think some people, it's almost like they come under the covering of the disease almost or something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when you start to become, identify with it and really get into some, like I know Steve Backlund says like, the minute that you start to identify yourself with negative circumstances, like I am this, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, I'm having this, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm, you know, it's two very different, different yeah. deals. And like, that's kind of what the enemy wants yeah. you to do. But it seems like just by the grace of God, you just 
didn't do that. I do agree. I will say there were many years in that place that there wasn't wisdom in it. Right. That I would, I mean, I would go and get myself really sick Sick. and really run down and really, so it, yes, on the flip side of it, it's been the grace of God, but in it for all those years, um, I'm sure my mom's shoes, it was really scary. Sure. Um, For me, I mean, it was just complete, there was some ignorance and a lot of denial Mm. and just, I'm not going to let anything hold me back. And it's turned into um, steadfastness. It's turned into faith and trust. But in those years where I thought that's what it was, it was, there was just, there was a lot of, there just was a lack of wisdom in how I was living my life, treating my body and it affects those around me. But you can't do that as, as a mom (laughs) when you've got kids. Like it makes it harder. So at some sure. point, it had. There's been a faith journey in it, but there's also been. I have a family right. that if I'm, um, they're affected. Right. If I'm in the hospital. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's yeah. been a big deal when I'm in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really hard on my husband and the kids when I end up in the hospital. Yeah. But when I do end up in the hospital, it's because I haven't. Did, there's been a snowball effect and it's a quick mm, snowball, but mm. I have, but there's things that I could have done to prohibit it. Mm. And so keeping me out of the hospital is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the goal before healing would be keep Chris yeah. out of the hospital because <laughs> yeah. it's too hard on the family. Well, that's why I'm getting shots right now in this pregnancy because yeah. I ended up in my last pregnancy in the hospital yeah. for neutropenia related things. And my doctor has said, we would rather, because the risk of getting the injections when pregnant is out there. Yeah. And he has said, the risk of you ending up in the hospital is far greater than the potential risk of you getting um, the injections. And my OB and the high risk sergeant, everybody agrees. Mm. Keep Chris out of the hospital. So. Keep Chris. It's like a <laughs> like campaign. Slogan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's funny. So um, you mentioned this a little bit, but I want to hear a little bit more. Um, so you grew up in a Christian home, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you grew up also believing that Jesus is a healer. Is that right? Okay. So that is number one, where you started. I mean, I was just, I was going to comment about how that's different than where I grew up, but, um, this isn't about me, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, so, so you grew up there, but you said, and and I kind of heard you say sort of like, I was confessing the word, I was doing all these things. And it sounded like in, even in your tone, it was kind of like strivey, striverson a little bit maybe. And so um, then it seems like something has shifted to a abiding confidence that Jesus is your healer. And even how you, the words that you used of seeing the full manifestation of your healing, that's different than just like, by the stripes I'm healed, you know, like that's different yeah. kind of language and attitude and perspective. And so how, tell, tell me a little bit about your process of getting from point A to point B and how have you, how has your relationship with God changed? Yeah. Um, you're right. Everything you said is accurate. And, um, you know, it's interesting working in the ministry and um, dealing with something, a chronic illness, but hiding it. Like, mm. I mean, I would, some people knew, but I was just confessing the word and, and, and 
believe God would heal me, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I was seeking his heart. I knew his nature. I knew his character, but I was going to do these things. They're in the Bible. I'm going to do these things versus a surrender to God. I believe in you and you're good regardless. And you didn't do this to me and you didn't put it on me because Mm. you're a good God. Mm. And I know it's not for me. We live in a fallen world. It is what it is. I don't need to understand the why behind it. I just get to trust and set my belief that he is the healer and I will be healed and not look for how it will come. And um, I think I looked many years for, oh, there's this healing thing at church. That's how I'm going to get healed. Mm. You know, kind of like when we have a family member that doesn't know the Lord and it's, I'm going to introduce them to this person and that person. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is my plan. (laughs) (laughs) And God doesn't need us. He's more creative than that. And then he doesn't get the glory, as much of the glory if we orchestrated that way, you know? So um, really the biggest shift for me was in... um, in 2017, our pastor, Pastor Kit, mm-hmm. did the Year of Miracles. Mm. And it really shook me. It was the first year, that, it was the first time, even though I grew up knowing the Lord, I know God's healing power. I, that was never in question. Mm. But it was for the first time I said, I, I will receive my miracle. This is my Year of Miracles. Wow. And I, here's the interesting thing is I've seen healing in my body. I've seen like supernatural, miraculous healing in my mm. body, not in the area of neutropenia, but in other areas mm. and, um, and in significant ways. So I know it, but there are these lies that the devil started to feed me. That After the year of miracles or before? Before. Okay, before. Lies of the devil has just, he's just fed me for years and okay. still tries to, for me, they are, um, you know, you'll always have neutropenia. You'll never be healed of it. You know, I've been healed of other things, but not that. Um, you know, you're you're always going to live your life this way. But then there's been other lies too of people question your faith. They wonder mm. why you're circling this mountain over and over, and you're still dealing with the same thing. People don't want to hear about it, mm. and so I wouldn't even talk about. I wasn't as open about it um, as I am now because of the lies that. People think there's something wrong with me or my faith because I'm dealing with it. Oh wow! And so. Um, so the, he did the year of miracles and for the first time ever, it, I started to feel this shift of, wait, I, I believe that for me, this is my year of miracles. And he would have us confess it. Well, 2018, the next year was, um, why not you? Mm-hmm. And I would say, why not me be healed of neutropenia? Yes. And he would say, look in the mirror and say it. Why, but not, why me? not me? Why not me? And mm. it started to really build this foundation of faith for me all mm. at the same time. God surrounding me with people through church that the most amazing people that um, really care and were steadfast and were in it with me. And what it makes me emotional because it's people that would lift my, would just hold my arms up when I simply couldn't. Yeah. You know, people that I could text when I was really, really sick and in bed, um, lacking faith needing prayer mm. and that would just be there i'm talking on the front lines with me. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know or come visit me in the hospital or would people that would just check in and go how are you feeling and really cared and it was okay for me to say that i wasn't doing well i didn't have to uphold this image that i was good all the time and i was great and i'm strong yeah. and i've got it all together yeah and nobody it started to, to defeat the lie that the enemy told me mm. that people thought that there was something wrong with me or my faith like started the vulnerability started to bring healing to me and my journey yeah and he's actually given me opportunities 
to stand up and tell people, some strangers, about my journey and what I've been going through. And in it, maybe they get something out of it. I'm the one that gets something out of it. Mm. I'm the one that's growing and healing. And I'm feeling the Lord taking me through this process from sharing my story. Because for so many years, I did it and there was shame attached to it. Right. There was something wrong. And it wasn't, I never felt like there was shame because of the neutropenia. Mm-hmm. There was shame because I wasn't healed yet. Mm-hmm. There was shame because I, I, I hadn't received the healing. So what did I, what was I not doing? What sure. did I do wrong? What did I, have I not confessed sins? Have I not forgiven somebody? I mean, those things. And the enemy wanted to keep me there. And then I've had these people that just really love me and are in it with me. And, and it's just been this really beautiful picture of how God is. And mm-hmm. nobody questions. I know now I'm certain. Nobody questions me and my faith mm-hmm. because I haven't received the manifestation of it. Yeah. Nobody, even, even if I never do. No one's going to question me. No one's going to question God. Like we, do you know what and I mean? And if they do, that's their problem. Yeah, that's on like them. holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> like, to just you know, have a little grace. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's what makes me think of when you when you're talking is just you kind of moved into this place of grace mm-hmm. with God and also 100%. with people. And so then it's like, and myself, and yourself. Oh, it starts so with good. I love it. Myself, it does. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good because I know, like, I mean, for anyone, if anyone is like contended long term for a promise, like for me, I wanted a husband so badly, and I was like, what is wrong with me that I don't have a husband? Like, do I need to wear a different lipstick color or something? <laughs> you know, what I mean, like, <laughs> surely that would do it. You know. <laughs> And I mean, and it, do I need to lose weight? Like, what's wrong with me? And you can just get, because you so, it's like in that desert place, you so want the promise to be fulfilled. And so you can turn inward and the enemy wants you to turn inward. Mm. But it's like, no, it's, it's, it's strengthening the steadfast, um, gaze on the goodness of God yeah and the and the one who hears your prayers and the one who who gives the promises and is the promise keeper and is knowing that it's not your circumstances are not from him yeah and so you can turn to him yeah and I now know I'm so steadfast in his nature Mm. and who he is is good and he is the healer and I don't need to do things a certain way or look for it a certain way. I get to just hear his voice in the journey. I really see it so much as there's a journey and there's a process to it. Some people receive instant supernatural healing and I have, and we do. There's other things that for whatever reason, there's a journey, but I want to learn from it and I want to grow from it. And, and I don't, I just don't believe that it's God waiting for me to do anything differently or to, do you know what I mean? Like I get to seek him and give him my heart and trust him in it and have grace for myself and grace for others and grow. And you know, one thing he taught me one year, I feel like there's, you know, one year is the year of miracles. And the year, <laughs> one year he, his like theme for me that year was everybody's dealing with something. Totally. And so my something is actually pretty invisible. Mm-hmm. And people can look at me and think I have it all together and um, that I'm not dealing with anything. And I remember I was, it was pre-kids, I was working 
in the corporate world and it was probably really easy to seem like I had it all together and I had, you know, made that picture. And I remember sitting in the kitchen one day with a couple of coworkers and somebody, they started talking about things that they were dealing with. Well, one of them was really evident. You could see it, Mm -hmm. but then some things weren't. And I, I walked away and Lord just hit me with, People don't know that you're dealing with something unless you tell them. Now, when you get to know me really well, you'll see me slyly pull out my numbing medicine and put it in my mouth Mm. because I'm numbing the pain of some canker sores in Mm. the middle of eating or talking. But I can hide it pretty well, too. Yeah. And I can mask that and I can talk through the pain like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I've had to. Yeah. And so I can, I learned that I can mask this as much as I want mm. or I can be vulnerable with it. Wow. So he began to really show me everybody's dealing with something and sometimes it's relational issues. Mm. Um, sometimes it's, there's mental health, there's physical health, mm. there's financial mm. complications, you know, it's challenges and stress. Mm. There's stuff. There's so many things that people are dealing with and that it, it started me to, and that, I think that year was back in 2011, but it started this process of me being able to be real with people mm-hmm. and let them in and not have this wall up of everything is perfect and good in my life mm-hmm. to bring me to the point where we were in this place, in this season of church with mm-hmm. people that really care. And I've walked into the to church before. Um, there was one time I was unbelievably sick. Mm. We were on our way to church, and I was just crying out in writhing pain. And Aww. Alex said, should we turn around and go to the hospital? Mm. And I threw, I had no voice. I was really, really sick. And I said, I just want to be at church. Mm-hmm. So we went to church, and I walked in the lobby and immediately saw somebody that God had been putting on my heart. I didn't even know her well. Mm. Well, he had put me on her heart and her on my heart. Mm. And she just said, how are you? And I just was, I had, I was disheveled. I had no makeup on. Mm. My hair wasn't fixed. Mm. Hopefully my teeth were brushed. I mean, I was raw. Like, you're just getting yeah. me. And then I, and she just prayed over me right then and there. Mm. And another friend who saw what was going on and asked Alex and went to get one of the elders to pray over me. And I remember sitting in the back of the service that day, just crying, and blowing my nose, and <laughs> like sitting. Like I remember feeling like an absolute mess. Yeah. And people would come over and just lay their hand on me and just pray for me. Mm. And it was this place where I was so welcomed as I was. Yeah. But I didn't have to have it all together. Yeah. And that's the Lord. Yeah. To go to Him as we are. Yeah. And in that rawness of not feeling well and call upon the name of the Lord. Yes. And He brings that community around us too. So I relied on that community to teach me. Mm-hmm. And you're you're part of that. Mm. And to, to teach me and to pray for me and to hold me up and to encourage me when I need it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm strong and sometimes I'm weaker and I need to call on people. And so I started doing that. Mm-hmm. And having that vulnerability and that transparency of here's where I'm at and here's what I'm dealing what I'm dealing with. Then people could speak into my life. And it's been it's been really powerful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it is either shame driven or it's like love driven, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just so good. Like the unearthing of that shame and, um, there's so much right now in our culture. Um, I feel like secular and non, um, a secular and church culture talking about vulnerability and the power of vulnerability and how it defeats the shame. And I mean, it's so kind good. of like 
well, duh, it defeats the shame. But like, it's some, if you can cover it, it's sometimes really hard to take that wall down and choose. And that was the, that's the thing that really stuck out to me about your story is that you had to choose to be vulnerable because you could choose to look great. And it feels nice to have everyone think that you look, you know, that you look great. You got everything together, you know, your life's together. That's a nice, powerful place to, it feels powerful. And yet it doesn't, it's not like a sincere connection Yeah. because there's all this stuff going on in the background for you that you aren't talking about. Yeah. God doesn't get the glory when we do that. Yeah. But he really does get the glory when we can be vulnerable yeah. about our situation and what's going on. It's yeah. good. Okay. So you mentioned this a little bit, but, um, and it sounds to me like um, Alex has been a great source of grace and in this whole deal, but just with, um, with dealing with chronic illness and also with building a family, those two things don't really seem to be like go well together to me, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> so tell me, um, how, how have you learned to handle that? And, um, you know, what does that look like for the kids and even just take just the pure practical, like a- aspect of taking care of kids? Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, and just so people know, we've got a five-year-old, three-year-old, really five, three and a half, one and a half, and then one on the way. So they're all 21 and 22 months apart, even the next gap will be. And so, you know, we've got almost, we'll have four that are five and under. Yeah. And um, that season, as anybody that's is there or has been there knows it's a, it's full on. Yeah. Full on. Full on. Big time. And I think I will realize it more when I'm out of it. Mm-hmm. I see now how it's full on, but I think when I'm out of it, I'll go, oh, that's <laughs> full. How did I do that? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, it's been a learning process and really grace upon grace upon grace. Mm-hmm. Alex gives me an immense amount of grace and it comes from the top down. And I've really seen, particularly in this pregnancy, how the kids do too. Mm. I mean, there were many times first trimester where I had the normal pregnancy exhaustion, but then, you know, the neutropenia related exhaustion or mm-hmm. challenges or not feeling well. Cause when I'm run down, I'm run down. Yeah. And if I ever, Alex knows if I ever say, Hey, I'm not feeling well, that means, Chris is not feeling well. Like I won't say it unless I'm really not feeling well. That's a big deal for me to say it. And um, so I can't tell you how many times I said to the kids, hey, I'm sorry, we're going to have to cancel play date today or cancel Mm. our plans. I need to lay on the couch. And Mm. you know how they would respond? Okay, mom. Wow. No big deal. And I'm certain it's because I came from the top down and the kids watching Alex give me so much grace. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that, practically speaking, is my kids nap at the same time every day. So I have a two to three hour nap that I would also get, which is the Lord's grace and having more kids and not feeling well. And he'll come home and it's 530 and I have no plans for dinner. Yeah. And it's 530. I mean, we got to do something. And I would go, I'm so sorry. I've been sleeping for two hours. And he's like, it's okay. We'll figure it out. I'll help you, you know. And they would watch him just, hey, mom needs to take it easy this Saturday, whatever it was. And so they would give me the same kind of grace. But it really starts with me giving it to myself. 
Mm. I think it starts before that. It's an understanding of God's grace and mm. an understanding of his grace for us, mm. that he's not expecting these this works or mm. striving, but that he wants us to operate in his rest. And he gives us grace. And when we can understand that, then we can apply it to ourselves so and then therefore give it to others. And so when we good. receive it from people that love us, mm -hmm. it's it, it does help us to give it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to really learn mm. when to say no. I've had to really lean into God on what is it you want me to take on because I want to take it all on. Mm -hmm. But what do you want me to take on mm -hmm. and what do you want me to say no to? Mm -hmm. And actually saying no um, and then be able to do well the things that he's given me to do, but also know it's not going to be perfection. I'm yeah. not striving for perfection here. Yeah. That doesn't really exist, you know. Yeah. And um, so... I um I was listening recently to a, a podcast and I thought this was just really good and a depiction of really where I am in the journey right now um, from Melissa Helser. I love her. And there was yeah, she's really good. Yeah. Okay, so I've really connected with her. I, Chronic illness. Yeah, she's had totally. for twenty years. Yeah, she's in a lot of pain. Her situation is, I mean, different. You know, there's no better or worse, yeah. but um, it can affect her daily. Mm -hmm. And um, she was really sharing about the humanity of Jesus. Mm -hmm. and um, how he cared for himself. And so she was talking about giving herself like permission to, like, to ask her heart what it needs and not fencing her yard and saying, these are my boundaries, but mm -hmm. asking her heart. So some things she said I thought were so helpful is shedding the shame of limitations and not needing to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I've had to do is there's been a lot of shame in the past in saying, no, like I, like I can't do this because I've lived my life with, I should have done this and I could have done this and I would have done this. And when my health is going to stand in the way, I get ticked. So <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to go do it anyway, even yeah. when it's not right for the people around me mm -hmm. and it's not right for my health. Mm -hmm. But shedding the shame of any limitations mm -hmm. and realizing I don't need to be on all the time and at mm -hmm. every moment and I can allow myself the grace to, and she was really talking about self-care, really mm -hmm. to having self-care. And so she talked about how Jesus had limitations, that he would be with a crowd of people and then he would just leave. He would just peace out. Like, like he had to have that time away yeah. to recharge. But we don't, I don't, those of us that are really driven don't always look at it that way. Mm. And um, she talks about practicing kindness, um, but how what, when we practice kindness but not self-kindness, we become malnourished and starved. Mm. And how we are supposed to be feeding on our own fruit. But what happens is everybody around us is feasting on our fruit. And we are being malnourished in it. Mm. And she said even in, you can really do it in the ministry. God, oh, yeah. do this for the ministry. But every time before she gets on even to sing, she asks the, her body, body, what can you do today? What can you handle today? So do I need to, can I give it all or do I need to take it a step back? Wow. But you wouldn't think that she's up on stage doing that. But no. she's had to do that because she understands her limitations. And so I think she worded it so well in what I've been walking through myself and really learning to do and rest when I need it and say no. And this current pregnancy has been really good for that. God told me we want more kids and really feel like he's called us to have more. But in the early, really, really, really exhausting period, he really told me you can keep what's on your plate 
but say no to anything extra. And I actually said yes to something with, with you. It was um, hosting a women's Bible mm-hmm. in my home. Well, I said yes to something, and I knew I wasn't supposed to. Mm. Well, then what did I do? I ended up, not last minute, but a few weeks before, saying, Naomi, can we do it at your house? Yeah. And not mine. I need to say no. It's too, I can feel what it physically does to my body. Mm-hmm. I, I, it physically, the stress creates the canker sores, the rundown, the mm. anxiety. It makes me sick, and it affects my family, and it's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to really learn to say no to things and be okay with that. And that's hard. It's easier said than done. Sure. It can be really hard to, to let go of things and say no when I want to do it because I'm saying no to it due to limitations. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I, that's where what she said about not having the shame of those limitations, but sure. instead looking at it as self-care and rest and grace. Yeah. So even with the kids, you know, there's days that, that, um, the house is messier than I want it to be. Sure. There's days that we don't do, I mean, do and go and be and I and and so another thing is really the comparison mm. of I'm actually I've gotten off social media not seen um for reasons I mean the Lord told me to but social media is a is um there's so much opportunity for comparison but even that aside just talking to somebody and seeing the mom that has it all together you know this is the artsy mom and that's the the fitness mom and that's the you know what I mean yeah (laughs) and just realizing this is who I am and I'm going to stay in my lane and maybe this this summer everybody went to all the splash pads and pool every day and Mm. they did these things but I had to take it easy and I had to rest more than I wanted but it was right for my family yeah. And it was right for me. And so really building that environment with the kids too, that when, when we're a family unit and when one link isn't doing well, it affects the whole and we need to stop and we need to take care of that weak link. Mm-hmm. More often than not, that weak link is me. <laughs> but there's times when it's the kids too. And, um, and just really helping them understand the grace side of it too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that speaks to um, a much bigger, you know, messaging set of messages that we get um, in our culture, which is that your value comes from how much you do, how much, how well you produce. And um, I once heard a message talking about like, actually the kingdom of God would put the like uh, the Israelites when they were traveling through the desert they would put the elderly and the weak right in the middle so as to make sure that they were flanked and cared well cared for but in our culture because your value often comes from how much you can produce those people are sidelined and those people are just like we don't even want to think about you because you know it's all about the push and the drive and the, you know, but, but the kingdom of God says, no, you're valuable because you're made in the image of God. And that's, that's what qualifies you. So if you're having a struggle or if you need, you know, more rest or whatever, that's, that's okay. Like, that's just fine. And let's like come around you and, you know, and like, even what you said, the whole family, like, that's a good thing to learn, like in a family that, you know, you kind of have, everybody's got to pull weight here because, you know, you know, mom needs rest or this or, you know, like, like everybody's, 
contributing, we're a part of a bigger thing than just our own individual push to, to strive and achieve. It's like we're part of a collective. Yeah. And if there's one part of that body that needs more at this time, like when you have a baby, it's just, okay, yeah, that's what, that's what we do. Or often with elderly relatives, yes. that's just what you do, you know. Yeah. But in your circumstance, it's the same thing. It's like, well, that's just what you do. And it's a good, I think your kids are learning. What I'm trying to say is I think what your kids are learning is probably more valuable than you realize because it's a statement that says that your value doesn't come from keeping up with the Jones moms, you know, mm -hmm. like keeping up with yeah. like all the things that you're supposed to be doing and supposed yeah. to be and, and being a professional mom or whatever the heck that means. But like, yeah. it's just your value comes from just you being you yeah. and you being made in the image of God. And that's powerful. Yeah. And I, it's how the body of Christ works. I mean, the picture Ideally. you just painted yes, <laughs> is how God created the body of Christ. We all need each other. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to kind of land, but I'm wondering, um, just last thoughts. If you were list, if someone were listening to this podcast and they found themselves either just diagnosed or, you know, having had a long-term chronic, um, uh, situation that they're dealing with, with their health and, um, and especially, you know, raising a family kind of in your shoes, what would you, what would you say to them? Like, just speak directly to them and, and what would you say to them? The biggest thing is to have grace for yourself, really yeah. uncover what God's grace means and extend that same kind of grace to yourself and to those around you and, um, seek God in your journey. You know, it's your own journey of healing, it's not going to look like somebody else's. And so don't, you know, shed the idea of what it's supposed to look like and really seek after him and his nature and what he has called you to do in this present season and in your circumstances and um, shed the lies of the enemy. Identify mm. the lies and and change your belief system mm. to, to line up with the word of God and his truth. And you're unstoppable. Come on. <laughs> you don't need Come on. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Krista. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. And I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by your story. And well, it's an honor. It really is. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please check out our website at homeinspired.org for more resources. And if you want to connect with me in person, email me at naomi at homeinspired.org. Thanks again.